morning. Lord, help us. I want to give this disclaimer real quick. Is that okay? Um, when me and Pastor Brad talked about, you know, this, we kind of had, we were kind of going a, uh, almost in the same direction, if you will. But I want to give this disclaimer. Despite of the title of my message this morning, which I'll get to, I want you to know that it has nothing to do with what Pastor Brad preached on last week. Everything else is fictional. It's fake. You know, all that stuff. Listen, fake news. Listen, we, it has nothing to do with it. It has no bearing. It is very similar, and I think it kind of coincides just a little bit. But before I get into that, I have a question. I have a question. How many of you mamas and grandmas like kitchen decor? Why are you ashamed of that? Some of y'all like, I don't know. How many of y'all like kitchen decor? Yeah, there you go. Some of y'all, some of y'all like chickens. You got chickens all over the place. You know what I'm saying? Who got chickens in here? Nobody got roosters. I see you. I see both of y'all. You got chickens. All right, chickens, more chickens. Listen, but one thing is for sure. How many of y'all got plaques? Little signs that are up in your kitchen that say things. How many of y'all got some of those, right? Man, y'all, what, what are some of those? Blessed is home. How many of y'all got that one? How many of y'all got that one? How many of y'all got, this kitchen is seasoned with love. Yeah? Yeah, listen, listen, there's one. This is where memories are made. Y'all got that one? Oh, you, you don't have that one in your collection. You should go get that one. I actually went to somebody's house uh, this last week. I will not say your name, Delissa. Oh. And in her living room, she's got the whole kitchen sayings just right there. And it was so amazing. When I think of stuff like that, I think of grandma's house. Okay? How many of y'all got one of them grandmas? They got, they got all that stuff, right? Man, let me tell you real quick. I got, I've had like, I have a bunch of grandmas, okay? I have an extended step family, so, and then I got in-laws, so I got a bunch of grandmas, all right? Growing up, my mom's mom, we didn't eat at her house a lot. She didn't like to cook. So when we went to grandma's house... We went out to eat, all right? And that was cool in and of itself, all right? Then my dad's mom, Granny, man, she wasn't really that good of a cook. But if her family was coming, she would throw down. She would throw it down. There was, not, there was nothing like getting together at Grandma's house. And then uh, as I grew up, I was introduced to my step-grandma, which I don't say step, just for the sake of the story. This is my other grandma. Her name was Grand Peggy Tefford. And when we went to her house, she also had the entire kitchen decor direct. I mean, everything. Blessed is home, seasoned with love, kitchen is where memories are made, gather. I thought for a long Longest time it said Gaither. Like I walked into Pastor Brad and Blonnie's house, they have a big sign that says Gather. But I went to school in Arkansas, so I'm like, I didn't know you were a Gaither fan. He was like, What are you talking about? I'm like, You got the Gaither sign. I'm like, Pastor Seth, slow down, man. Read, sound it out. So yeah, and so Gather, you know, all these signs. My my grandma Tedford, she, man, she had all that. Then um, uh, my grandmother-in-law, uh, we call her Nani, okay, so I've got grandma, granny, Nani, gran, I have a whole bunch of them, and there was, I mean, she also threw down in the kitchen, man, and she had a bunch of signs, too, that said precious memories, that's another one for your collection, be on the lookout, y'all, they're everywhere, y'all, y'all, y'all are on Etsy, right, they're all over the place, but there was something about grandma's house, especially in the holidays. Can we talk about the holidays, y'all? Listen, it's so hot. It's so hot outside. 
Man, one of my pastor friends, he went and he put a Christmas tree up in his office. He's like, I'm tired of this. I'm ready for Christmas. Okay, so he got me thinking holidays. Man, I want you to think about grandma, grandma during the holidays, okay? I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to just go with me. Okay, you got grandmother. You got grandma. You got grand. You got nanny. You have whatever you call your grandma. Man, it is the week before Thanksgiving. Hallelujah. There she is. She running around that house faster than you think she should be able to run. But there she is. She is up and going. She is cleaning that house. She is, she is doing everything within her power to make sure that it is ready. The whole week. And, man, I want you to admit, just Thanksgiving Day is here. And you show up at 10 o'clock knowing that you're going to eat in two hours. And she is so excited. Everybody shows up at once. Are you with me? The whole family's there. And when the whole family shows up, guess what they bring? A mess. Man, you show up with your grandkids, with, you know, with their grandkids. You show up with their toys, with their snacks. They show up with everything. And that house that she worked so hard on all week long, in a matter of minutes, is destroyed. It is destroyed. It is 100% thrashed. I mean, I mean, then you get through lunch. There's dishes all over the place. There's food all over the floor. Man, there's spilt Kool-Aid in the carpet and all this stuff. But here's the thing. This is what I love. If you look over at Grandma, guess what she's doing? Oh, she's smiling. She's not mad. She ain't upset. That's a bad Grandma. I mean, I mean, I know that. That's a bad Grandma if you get mad at that, right? Bad Grandma. No. No, Grandma's supposed to be happy. Why? Why is she so happy? She has spent all week slaving and cleaning a house, I mean, from top to bottom, spick span, steam cleaning, the works. More than she has any other time of the year. And then they come in and they just destroy it. But when they come in, they bring life. They bring love. They bring the family. And there are some things that I believe are just more important than cleanliness when it comes to people. Look at your neighbor and say people. There's a sign that I saw that I didn't mention because the sign is actually the title of my message. Bless this mess. Bless this mess. How many of y'all got this sign? Now, how many of y'all need this sign? Yeah, yeah. Some of y'all, you need the t-shirt, you need the hat, you need the, yeah, you need the whole works. You need it on your purse, everything. Bless this mess. If you got your Bibles, I'm going to be in one verse this morning. It's going to be in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 4. Proverbs 14, 4. I love this passage. I love this little bitty short proverb. Listen, if you don't read the book of Proverbs, I believe a proverb a day will keep the devil away. I'm just kidding. That was just something fancy I heard. I heard uh, somebody say, without oxen, the stable stays clean. But you need a strong ox for a large harvest. Here's what another version says. Where there is no oxen, the stall is clean. But much increase comes by the strength of the ox. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord God, thank you today that your word became flesh and it dwelt among us. Lord God, we're so thankful. Lord God, I'm thankful that your word is alive and is still speaking this morning. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. There is something to be said about hospitable people, right? 
Um, my wife is very hospitable, almost to the point that it drives me crazy. Not because I dislike people, but sometimes, man, I can't even keep up. And then sometimes it's my fault, and I'm like, and I don't know, it's, it's crazy. If you come to my house, which we have people in our house all the time, all the time. There are always teenagers running in and out. I mean, if you come, if you come to my house anytime, you could throw a rock and hit a teenager. Obviously, don't throw rocks at my house. We have teenagers there. Don't throw rocks. But here, here we have teenagers all over the place, and then we have their parents that come. Then we have, we just have people, it seems like, over at our house, especially the last two weeks, it seems like we've had something every night. And we absolutely love it. We have a time. But there's some things you got to know about my house when you come to my house. The first thing you need to know is we live there. We live there, and we live there hard. Okay? I have, there are like four girls at our house at all, like any given time. And then on top of that, I got two dogs. Okay, that means if you come to my house, congratulations, you're leaving with complimentary dog hair. That just is what it is. But there's something about it. Our house isn't the most cleanest house, but we still spend time cleaning. And it's a weird paradox, isn't it? How many of y'all clean your house, and then you sit down and you look at your house and be like, what did I even do? What, what even happened? Why, why is it still... That just, it, how many of y'all know it just be like that sometimes? But why do we keep doing it? Well, I can tell you why me and Kelsey keep doing it. Because me and Kelsey, we keep having people over. And understand, when we clean our house, we don't clean it to show off how clean we are. It's impossible. We've tried. There's no way. There is no way to prove how, that we're the cleanest people ever. Because it just, with the dog hair, with the girls, listen, I mean, all of them. All the girls. They're gross. Don't look at me that way. Girls are gross. All right? They're gross. Okay? There's just no way. There's no way to keep it as clean as, you know, a magazine cover. Man, if a magazine cover comes to our house, they're only asking for directions to the next house. All right? But we clean anyways, not because we want to show off how clean we are, but because we want to accommodate the people that are coming over and when people gather, guess what there is? A mess. There is a mess. Bless this mess. Let's look at Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14.4. Okay, we're going we're gonna to break this down into two, two sections. So I got like two main points. Is that okay this morning? That don't mean you're getting out early. I'm just saying there's only two points if you're taking notes. Number one, the, um, uh, Solomon is trying to make a point. When it comes to people and the house. Number one, it says where the ox is, the stall is clean. You see, we have to understand when it comes to our own idiosyncrasies, that's our behavior, our methodology on why we behave the way that we do. Idiosyncrasies, that's just a big word that I thought was fun to say. That's the only reason I threw it in there. We have a mindset that a lot of times does not line up with God's mindset. Especially when it comes to his house and his people, okay? There's a, there's a type of idiosyncrasy that there's a conflict there between what we think and what God thinks a lot of times. 
All right? Some of you already know where this is going, and I see you squirming. That's okay. We're going to make it through. You see, we've already established that people are messy. Can you say that out loud with me? People are messy. Some of y'all didn't say it, but that's okay. It doesn't make it any less true. Now I want you to say, I am people. I am people. That means I am messy. People are messy, and there is no way around it, okay? You can be the cleanest person, but when you come, there's, you're going you to track dirt in, okay? Your hair is going to fall off your head, okay? You're going to spill something. Man, there's teenagers. That's all they do is spill stuff. Ever since we've been in ministry, there has always been at least one teenager that comes to our house and spills something. I mean, it's just part of it. You cannot help the mess. It just happens. It happens. It just be like that. Okay, but let's look at people because understand something. We are in the business of people. As born-again children of God, as the church of the living God, we've got to learn to look at people the way that God looks at people and not the way that we think we should look at people. You see, people are messy. Let's look at people in the church. We're going to look at everybody. First of all, let's look at babies. How many of y'all know babies are messy? Yeah, they loud. You can say that. It's okay. They're loud, right? Babies are loud. Have you noticed, man, I, when I preach, I know that I get to the, like the main point, the main point of my sermon where I'm about to lay the hammer down. And sure enough, there's a baby. And then everybody in the church act like they ain't never seen a baby before. What is that? What is the screaming? Well, there, and you walk by the nursery sometimes, guess what? How many of y'all know that nursery just smells like roses? Right? It smells like a forest. I'm just kidding. It actually smells like something pooped in the forest, okay? It stinks. Babies are messy, okay? And a lot of times when we look at the mess, we immediately have this mindset of it, sometimes it just makes us mad because we don't like mess, right? Y'all can be quiet. That's okay. We don't like mess, okay? And we have babies. Listen, we have toddlers as well. Listen, can I tell you something? If you put a Cheeto in the hands of a toddler, he can repaint your entire room. Toddlers are messy. What's the, what do we do about it? Do we tell them, no, you can't come here. We just cleaned. What do we do about it? Oh, man, let's look at teenagers. Y'all see this up here on Sundays, and y'all like, ah, oh, that's so good. Y'all don't see them on Wednesdays. Man, Wednesdays, they walk into the sanctuary. It's a, it's a soothing aroma of B.O. <laughs> teenagers are messy. They're messy. Then when we look at adults, Y'all don't worry, Pastor Brad will be back next week. Adults, can I say something? Y'all are messy. Y'all can disagree all you want to. Listen, there is a mess that comes with people. People are messy inside of the church. Now when we look at outside of the church coming in, hmm. We got our idiosyncrasies, our methodology on why we behave the way we do. And a lot of times we project it on people that come in from outside the church. 
the drug addict comes in who is just trying to get his life together, who is off all sorts of things, but all of a sudden we see a little puff of vape. <gasps> They're vaping in the house of God. What do we do? Do we ask them to leave? What do we do? It's a mess. I want to answer that question, what do we do, here in a little bit. So y'all just hang on with that question. When we have the drug addict that comes in, it smell, or we have the alcoholic that comes in smelling like alcohol that is hung over from a long night, who's just wanting to come to church to feel better, and he passes out, what do we do? It's a mess. It's a mess. People are messy. Do we turn them away? Do we ask them to leave? What do we do? You see, we pray dangerous prayers that in reality I don't think we mean. We pray prayers like, God, give us people that nobody else wants. And then God delivers and we start second-guessing our prayers. You're like, oh, Lord, not those people. And then God's like, no, those are the people that nobody wants. And you see, we have to understand something. We have to understand that you cannot have people without a mess. You cannot have ministry without a mess. Listen, you cannot have an ox and a clean stall at the same time. If you have an ox, if you have a cow, how many of y'all know you have a mess? You can clean that stall from top to bottom from the time they leave, but guess what? When they come back in, guess what they bring in? A mess. You cannot have ministry without the mess. People are messy, but remember, we are in the people business. You see, number two, number two, we get to this conjunction. But much increase comes. I like my version better. Sorry. I'm going to read this one. Much increase comes by the strength of the ox. You see, how do you judge increase? How do you judge increase? Do you judge increase by the cleanliness of your stall? Do you judge how, you know, you judge things based off of how well it's clean, how good it looks from the outside? Or do you judge by the size of your harvest? The question remains, do you want cleanliness or do you want people? You say, Pastor Seth, can't we have both? No. And I will tell you why here in a little bit. No. You see, I've been in some immaculate churches, okay? Throughout um, my vast, I don't even know how old I am. How old am I? 32 years, that's how old I am. I don't even know how old I am anymore. Okay, I've been through, I've been in some immaculate churches. Okay, churches that, man, they got marble floors. Man, you walk in and use the bathroom and you look at the bathroom and you're like, no, nah, I'll wait. I'm going to mess this up. I, I'm going to sneeze. And it's just gonna it's gonna destroy everything. It's just gonna destroy everything. I've been in those places and just you know, be me being there. When I walked into the service, I walked in and I was I don't I don't think I was dressed bad. I don't I mean I'm not in a three-piece suit or anything like that, but I remember when I walked into the worship service, man, it was like me being there just sucked the energy out of the room. It, it like changed the atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? I've been in those churches, and I sensed that it was a place that was not meant for me. Why? Because 
I am people, and I am messy. And there were people there that were dressed up to a T that just seemed okay with it. They seemed okay with having the cleanliness and none of the people. You see, you have to gauge value on the ox in comparison to the mess. You see, we got some takeaways from this, this passage, and I hope you're catching on. If not, I want to lay this out to you real quick. Here's some takeaways that I get from this one passage in Proverbs, this one passage, okay? You see, the stall, it, it's a type and shadow of the church, and the ox is a type and shadow of people. Are you smelling what I'm stepping in? It's because we're in a stall, and there's ox here. That means there's a mess. You see, we have to understand the stall being the church means the, st- the church should have the same functionality as the stall. Okay, you have to understand the stall is a place of shelter for oxen. It's a place that is safe for ox people. Listen, listen, I, I'm sorry. There's a lot of churches that, they, that people walk into and they automatically walk into a hostile environment. Because people don't want the mess. And it's automatically not a safe place. Another functionality of the stall is a stall is a place where you feed the ox. How many of y'all know that when we talk about the church, that is a place where you should be getting spiritual nutrients, right? I mean, I know sometimes spiritual, things that are good for you just don't taste good, right? Unless y'all like that stuff. Some of y'all, some of y'all, you're so attuned to gluten-free stuff, you forget what real food tastes like. And I will pray for you. I will pray for you. Listen, this should be a place where people that are hungry come to get fed, where they are thirsty come and they get a drink. You see, there's a place of rest, for the oxen. The stall is a place of rest. Listen, they should come in here and they should find relief from stress. They should walk in here in the presence of God and feel a burden just lift off them before anybody even lays hands on them or prays for them. Just the presence of God should immediately ease their burdens. The stall is a place of rest. How many of y'all know the stall is also a place where the ox gets tended to? Some of y'all some of y'all have, how many of y'all have cows in here? I could not have cows. I mean, I talked to Pastor Sally. Pastor Sally has cows. And uh, when I talk to her, she talks to me about how they have attitudes. And remember, ox are people. People got attitudes. I'm just kidding. The ox, the ox, the, the, the cows will just be all weird, and they'll be in a funk. They'll be in a mood. And they'll, like, come up and show an attitude, buck their heads at them while they're trying to feed them, like, you know, Britain, you know, just spills the food all over the place. I couldn't handle that. I couldn't handle that. The first time a cow coughed an attitude with me, I would kick it and point at it and say, ha, I'm going to eat you. And that would be it. That'd be it. We would, I would not have any cows because they would all be in my freezer. I, I, couldn't, I can't do it. But how many of y'all know sometimes you've got to tend to cows because cows are ornery? How many of y'all know sometimes people are ornery? Look at your neighbor and say, I am people. <laughs> sometimes some things just need to be straightened out. Sometimes cows will get horns that are growing wrong. And guess what? Sometimes you've got to trim those horns. Sometimes cows will get hair in their eyes. They'll get bug bites. Guess what? You've got to take care of those. Are they pleasant? No. Is it fun? No. Does it hurt? 
sometimes. But how many of y'all know it's for the betterment of the ox? Sometimes it should be a place where people come and they get tended to. The honoriness, the things that are in their eyes, the things that are, that, you know, essentially they don't want. But how many of y'all know it's for the betterment of them? And they should find that here. The stall is also a place where they gather together with other ox. You see, in biblical times, it was weird for people to have just one ox. That would make harvest time and planting and all that stuff super slow. How many of y'all know that most of the time they were yoked together? And most of the time there was more than one yoke. Okay, it's a place where they gathered together and they could see and they can fellowship and they could see all these other oxen getting taken care of. You see, I hope you're catching on this morning because I'm not talking about the church as a building. Y'all understand that, right? I'm talking about the church as in us. Okay, you have to understand, people should come to us, mess and all, and find all those things. They should find safety in us. They should find moments where we have hard conversations that will ultimately better them and push them towards their purpose. The stall is more than a building. Understand something. You can have a building, but that does not make it a stall. You can have a building, but that does not make it a stall. It's the function and the purpose that makes it a stall. And I'm sorry, but there are a lot of buildings that are not stalls that are claiming to be stalls, but there's no functionality of a stall. Are y'all with me this morning? Because when we talk about the stall, we also have to talk about the people. We've established that the church is the stall and the ox represent the people. It represents people. This tells me three things about people. Number one, the first thing that it tells me is that people... Mess and all have a place. They have a place. A stall where the ox is not welcome is stupid. I don't know how else to put that. It doesn't make any sense to have a stall and not welcome an ox. Listen, people have a place. People have a place where they are tended to and they are taken care of and they are sent out on their purpose People have a place. Here's the second thing that this stall or this passage tells me about the ox. Okay? People have a purpose. People have a purpose. You see, the ox didn't just chill in the stall all day being an ox. You know, that wasn't his job was to simply just exist and just be an ox. No. No, he had a job. He had a purpose. There was a reason why he was there. And it wasn't just to sit and take up space in the stall, it was to go out and prepare for the harvest. It was to plow. It was to pull trailers for the harvest. Listen, they had a specific job and a specific purpose. I want you to know something. People are no different. People have a specific purpose. They have a purpose. And if people have a place, and if people have a purpose, the third thing is people have value. People have value. People are valuable. Listen, you want to know who recognized that? Solomon. In this Proverbs, he recognizes straight off on the second verse, he says, but much increase comes by the strength of the ox. People have value. People are valuable. How valuable? 
They were valuable enough for Jesus to come and die for them. For God to give his most prized possession. People have value. And we as the church that work inside of stalls, we should look past the mess and see the value. The problem is people are messy. And we don't like mess. So in conclusion, man, bless this mess. Bless this mess. Um, real quick, just for the sake of what I'm not saying. Here is what I'm not saying. Let's fire the custodian and just let everything go. That's not what I'm saying. Let's just quit picking up after ourselves. No, that is not what I'm saying. Does everybody understand that? You see, here is what I am saying. I'm saying that some of us may need to repent. And I can tell by the looks that some of y'all don't like that word repent. Can I tell you something about the word repent? What if I told you that it is not a bad word? It is not a bad word. It is not a bad thing to repent. Here's what repent means in the Greek. It literally means metanoia, which means to change your mind. You see, here's the thing about repent and why it starts with that. Because we know repentance as to turn away, right? To turn away from and go a different direction. But that requires action, right? And what does every action start with? A thought. A thought. So when we look at the word metanoia, it means to change your mind. In order to change what we do, we must first change what we think and how we think about it. You see, Christians that think they are too good or too mature to repent are no better than the Pharisees that hated Jesus. It's not a bad word. Listen, it is not a bad word. It doesn't mean that you get saved all over again. When you come to a place where you need to repent, it doesn't mean that, that you have to just come and give your life to Jesus all over again. I think the church has done a terrible job in explaining that. But repents, listen, repenting. Paul wrote in Romans 12, not to conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Listen, Paul is specific in saying the renewing of our mind. He didn't say by our renewed mind. It's our renewing. By the renewing of our mind. The renewing is the act of continually being renewed. Our mind has to be continually removed. It's imperative to spiritual growth. So what do we need to repent of? Some of us, we need to repent on how we, have, how we view ministry. How we look at ministry. When people come in and we have to minister to people and they bring their mess. Would you look at this mess? Have you been to the bathrooms? My opinion, that's why they're a closed area that's off so no one has to go in there unless they have to take care of business. No one, who goes to the bathroom and com, just to complain? Like, I feel like complaining. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Am I saying let's stop cleaning the bathroom? That is not what I'm saying. Would you look at this mess? It smells like cigarettes in here. Would you look at this mess? Bless this mess. Listen, some of us need to repent on how we view ministry. How we view what we do here in the stall. People are messy. Some of us, we may need to repent on how we look at people in general. 
Oh, I know, I dare that pastor call people to repentance. Listen, some of us need to repent on how we look at people. This is a small town. Y'all know who live here. And y'all know as soon as they walk in the door, oh, Lord, here they go. I didn't know they was going to be here. We're going to have to pack up the women and children. We're going to a different church. No, we got to look at people the way that Jesus looks at people. Our mind needs to be changed on how we look at people. Mess and all, we got to be able to look past the mess. Bless this mess. See, or maybe some of us need to repent on how we look at ourselves. Mm. Mm. You see, we got this cleanliness attitude. Help me, Jesus. That we think we too good to be cleaning up the messes. That we can't tend to the people. That our hands are too pretty. You know the story of Uzzah, right? If you don't know, that's the guy in the Bible. That when they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, they stumbled a little bit. And he had to reach up and try to steady it. And then God killed him for touching his stuff. You know what Uzzah's problem was? For some crazy reason, he thought his hands were cleaner than the dirt. Hmm. Listen, we need to repent sometimes on how we look at ourselves. Are, do we really feel like we're too good for this? Or do we feel like in our eyes they're not good enough? You have to understand, if we're the church and we're working, working the stall, listen, you know what that means? That means we're shoveling poop. You see, we're changing out hay. You see, we're feeding, we're watering, we're trimming hair, we're trimming horns. We're washing dirt off of feet. I promise you, if Jesus can sink down and wash his disciples' dirty, nasty feet, I promise you, you can do. You can too. You have to understand, working the stall, that was the job of those that worked the stall, those that were in the stall. They were washing feet. And it was rinse, lather, repeat, day in, day out. A dirty stall is a functioning stall. Imagine with me. Imagine with me a stall. It's got all sorts of oxen and cows in it. And there was one person who decided, I am done. I'm not shoveling poop no more. How many of y'all know, after a day or two of not shoveling poop, that's going to start affecting everything. The stall is going to stink. The stall, man, the, the, the oxen are going to get E. coli or something. All right, listen, it, it is going to turn into a mess, and it's going to start affecting everything else. It's messy. It's messy. But, look at your neighbor and say, but. The results are worth the mess. The people are worth the mess. Listen to me. People are messy, but we're in the people business. And listen to me, child. Business is booming. Business is booming. There is a harvest that is white and it is ready. Okay, and listen, some of us, we need to get our hands dirty and get to the plow. Some of us, we need to start changing out those oxen um, feeding things. Listen, we have to get busy. We have to get busy despite of the mess. You see, we don't clean to show off how clean this place is. We don't hire our janitor just to show off how immaculate this building is. 
We clean to accommodate people. We clean to prepare for a mess. And guess what? People are worth the mess. If I can get some help this morning. One of my favorite churches. One of my favorite churches. Not this one. This one is my favorite. Okay? I'm saying one of my favorite. This one's my favorite. Y'all all my favorite. Mess and all. Y'all my favorite. Some of y'all are like, I'm not messy. Yes, you are. But don't worry. I love you. I love you. I mean it. I love you and your mess. Okay? That's okay. I'm messy too. Ask Miranda and Pastor Brad. I'm messy. Okay? But one of my favorite churches that I go and visit uh, quite often, when I walk into that, that church, um, I know the pastor, I know the staff really well. Like, we're really well. We're, we're really tight. And I walk in, and I, it's, it's a pastor thing because, you know, I think we ought to take care of, you know, God's things, right? I, I don't want to just, I think we're supposed to be good stewards, right? Of not just facilities, but people. You know, I think there comes balance. But man, when I walk in this, this door, there's a lot of times I walk in and it looks like the floor hadn't been mopped in a while. You know, where I'll go to the bathrooms, I'll wash my hands, it looks like the trash hadn't been carried out. You know, I'll, I'll you know, walk back to the kitchen to get something to drink and it looks like there's dishes in the, in the sink. You know, and I'll sit down and I'll talk to this pastor and I realize something. The reason why his church looks that way is because I can't think of a time where I did not go to that church and it wasn't full of people doing something. I walk into that church and I'll talk to that pastor and I'll be like, okay, well, I've got, we've got this thing going on tonight. We've got this going on right now. This ministry is hosting these people. This ministry is taking care of single moms. This ministry is taking care of orphans. This ministry is meeting here, cooking a meal and going to the prison. This ministry, and it's like, my goodness, where do you, where, where do you take a break? And he's like, listen, there's ministry. There's things that we have to do. Listen, the stable people, the stable boys, listen, they, they, there's stuff to do. There are people out there that don't know Jesus. That means the harvest is ready. And when they come in here, how many of y'all know you don't just bring the harvest in and then just take it straight to market? No, there's some things that have to be done inside. It's a mess. People are messy. But I am so glad, I am so glad that Jesus looked at our mess, looked at where we were, just like Pastor Brad talked about last week, that he looked down the scope of time and saw that Samaritan woman at the well and saw the mess, the baggage, her entire wreck of a life. And Jesus didn't go, no, I'm good. But he approached it head on. And to make it a little bit more personal, I'm so glad that Jesus looked down the scope of time and he saw me. He saw the mess that I was in. He saw the big-headed white dude that was broke, busted, and disgusted. And he didn't shy away from me. He didn't think, mm, he better clean up first. It's COVID season, six feet, sir. No, he saw my mess and he met me where I was at. See, sometimes I think we forget. 
Sometimes I think we get a little too self-righteous and we forget what Jesus did for us, that he came and saw us in our mess. He came down to our mess. If y'all stand up with me this morning.